Section four of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford. Jock the Jungle Jinx. Part two jock found walking a difficult matter because of the banana within him which was rapidly asserting itself he had about made up his mind to retrace his steps when he heard a second distant cry like the first one as he looked over the watery expanse he caught sight of an object floating upon the surface of the lagoon it was far away and a mere speck but jock knew it to be an animal of some sort it moved, in fact, everything inside and out of him seemed to be moving just then. However, his discomfort had not yet become acute enough to dull his interest in the distant floating object. There was a huge boulder lying upon the beach. It would make a fine lookout, so Jock went to it and began climbing up. This latter was a difficult process. There were all sorts of bumps and things to cling to, but as soon as he touched them they began wiggling in all directions. This movement of the surface was soon communicated to the mass, until the whole boulder was rocking and tossing like a ship in a stormy sea. By the time our hero arrived at the top, he was too dizzy to stand. Cold perspiration oozed from his every pore. "'Oh, I am so sick,' he groaned dismally. "'I wish I hadn't climbed up here. I want to get down.' At this the wiggling stopped instantly. Jock saw one end of the mass beneath him turn partly around. An eye gazed in his direction. A frog mouth gaped beneath the eye. Jock gasped and held his breath. The boulder was a huge animal, at whose head he now gazed as he stood upon its back. "'I see you, little rascal,' bellowed the creature in a deep voice. "'You want to get down? Good. I wish you would.' Jock thought he surely must be dreaming, although he was feeling too sick just then to care much about anything. He started over the paved back, slipped on one of the knobs, and dug his nails in the crevices to keep from falling. The creature began wiggling again like one possessed. "'The bumps! Keep on the bumps!' it squealed. "'You tickle me so when you touch the creases!' Jock tried his hardest to be agreeable, but he was too dizzy to steer a straight course, and his feet simply refused to stay on the slippery knobs. A renewed volley of wiggles sent him tumbling to the ground. This seeming disaster proved to salvation, for it made him disgorge the banana, a sure cure for biliousness. The world stopped spinning around, and Jock felt able to examine his new acquaintance, a most genial creature, judging by his actions. He was squirming and giggling, just as anyone would do when tickled under the ribs. "'Oh, my back! My sides!' he squealed. "'Are you a dinosaur?' Jock inquired. "'Never in my life have I seen an animal as large as you.' No? The creature appeared greatly surprised. I thought myself quite small, probably because I do not get enough to eat. You are very little. You must be starved. He looked at Jock as though he really felt sorry for him. Whew! Our hero screwed up his face. I hope I may never see food again. But you, are you a dinosaur? Certainly. Everybody knows me. Ankylus, the armored dinosaur, always ready for fun and frolic, be it eating or sleeping. "'Are you the dinosaur king?' Jock asked eagerly. He thought himself nearing his goal at last. "'King? No, indeed,' was the answer. 
Nobody with claws and teeth like mine could be the king. It is my duty to amuse him. Amuse him? How? When he is cross, Angelus chuckled. You know, he is always cross. He jumps on me and tries to bite his way through the plates on my back. Perhaps this does not amuse him exactly, but it keeps him busy and interested. I will show you how my part is done. His fat sides shook good-naturedly as he said this. He squatted close to the ground, drawing in his head and legs like a turtle. In this attitude he was about as accessible as a walnut. The mailed coat shielded his back, while the ground prevented any attack on his unarmored parts beneath. "'Clever indeed,' remarked our hero. "'But if I were the dinosaur king, I would roll you over and eat you out of your shell.' Ankylus turned sickly green. His fat sides trembled. "'Ugh! What's that? Eat me out of my shell? If you value my friendship, make no mention of such a thing to anyone. I would be ruined if our king had it suggested to him.' A terrible idea. I feel faint. I must have nourishment. The monster, after much effort, raised his belly several inches from the ground and dragged himself down to a clump of plants growing near the water's edge. The food question made him forget his fears entirely. Having a head no bigger than his foot, and not enough room in it for two ideas at once, he proceeded to gorge himself. While doing so, he forgot all about the dinosaur king, Jock, and everybody else. "'Big eater, that,' the little mammal remarked, as he watched the huge reptile gulping down bales of green stuff unshoed. "'No wonder he is so big and clumsy. Ah, me, what a life!' He was sitting there wondering if all dinosaurs were so stupid and ungainly as this one, when suddenly he caught sight of something coming through the water farther down the shore. "'Another one!' Jock remembered the speck he had first seen far out in the lagoon. He had forgotten all about it in his meeting with the armored dinosaur. Perhaps the newcomer was the ruler of the world. He would go and see, so away he scampered and waited on the beach in front of the floating object as it swam toward him. The object in question turned out to be a giant duck-like head, and there was much more in the water beneath it. Suddenly it arose from the shallows and a huge body appeared, floundering and splashing among the lily pads and other plants growing near the water's edge. The duck head towered five yards high as the monster emerged upon dry ground at last and sat down upon the beach, using his gigantic hind limbs and long heavy tail as a three-legged stool. His front limbs were ridiculously small compared with the hind ones. Although a water reptile, his toes and fingers were tipped with blunt hooves instead of claws. The huge creature was in the act of scratching the back of his head with one hand when he caught sight of the tiny mammal sitting far beneath him. "'Who? What are you?' he asked in surprise. "'I am a stranger here,' Jock shouted at the top of his lungs, so that his voice might reach the other's ears wherever they might be. "'I have come to see the dinosaur king who rules the world. Are you he?' "'No,' replied the monster emphatically. "'I am a dinosaur, but not the king. They call me the duck, Bill. And so you are to meet our king. How distressing! However, that is your affair, not mine.' "'Why? Do you know him?' "'Too well for my own comfort,' hissed the duckbill. "'He would eat me hooves, hide and all, if I gave him the chance.' "'What? Eat a big thing like you!' Jock exclaimed. "'He must be very large and fierce.' "'He certainly is,' the monster declared. He glanced about him in a nervous manner as he said this. His bald pate glistened in the sunlight. 
It looked more like a green squash than a head. No ears were visible, mere holes where ears ought to have been. How odd, thought Jock. None of these animals seem to have ears. I wonder what they hear with. I would suggest that you use caution in your dealings with our king, the duck bill now said. I feel an interest in you because you do not seem disposed to harm me. Harm you? Jock wondered if he could have heard aright. The very idea of his harming such a giant seemed inexpressibly funny. No, I would not hurt you for anything, he chuckled. The duck-billed dinosaur appeared greatly relieved. I am so glad to hear you say that, he said gratefully. Our king feels differently about such matters. He is a flesh-eater, and, if you will pardon my frankness, he would eat you without a moment's hesitation. I disapprove strongly of the way he selects his food. I am a vegetable-eater and would not treat you as he would. I never eat bugs. I am not a bug, cried our hero, flaring up. I meant a caterpillar, corrected the duck-bill, much embarrassed. Nor a caterpillar either, shouted Jock in a great rage. No? The monster appeared genuinely astonished. How odd! You must be something. Nobody can be nothing. You are all covered with fuzz. So is a caterpillar. My skin is smooth and scaly, therefore I am not a caterpillar. Are you a plant? This query was delivered in a trembling voice. The duckbill's forehead wrinkled with anxiety. No, I am not a plant, snapped our hero. The giant hissed a great sigh of relief. Good, he exclaimed. I fairly dote on plants, nice green ones, but it would break my heart if I were compelled to eat you. He glanced at the water behind him. Lily stems, um, yum. I will gather a few now, if you do not mind. I have not had a bite to eat since I first met you. Keep right on talking. I can hear every word you say. With that he waded into the shallows and began shoveling about in the mud with his spade-like bill. Jock watched this latter process with much interest. What do you do besides eat? he inquired. Sleep, answered the duck-bill, with his mouth full. I do that until it is time to wake up and eat some more. And having eaten? I go to sleep again, replied the monster. It keeps me busy doing all these things, but I see no help for it. No, I cannot see just where you have any fun, Jock remarked after a moment's thought. Seems to me you would get more out of life if you did not eat and sleep so much. Impractical, declared the duckbill in his most positive manner. Eat when the weather is warm, sleep when it is cool. Everybody does it that way. What if the weather stays cool? Stay asleep, replied the monster, well pleased with himself at having so ready an answer. Jock was silent for a few moments. Why argue with this big good-natured beast? He bethought himself of what he had come for and changed the subject. Where will I find the dinosaur king? he asked. Well, if you insist upon meeting him, keep right on, was the answer. When you hear an awful noise and see the most terrible thing you ever saw in all your life, you will have met him. I would take you to him, but I prefer eating to being eaten. May you stuff yourself and sleep until your dying day, said Jacques, waving a paw in farewell. The duck-bill paused long enough in his feeding to bestow upon our hero a look of unutterable gratitude. Then he turned again to the plants, and that was the last Jock saw of the duck-billed dinosaur. As our hero went his way along the shore of the lagoon, he heard no awful noises and saw nothing so terrible that it could be mistaken for a dinosaur king, although he soon encountered an animal, the most remarkable creature he had ever beheld. 
standing among the tall rushes which grew thickly near the water's edge was a huge monster over six yards long its body was a wobbly globe supported by four pillar limbs a ponderous alligator tail trailed along behind it the most remarkable part of the creature was its head which was more than half as long as its body this head spread out behind like a frilled cape covering the neck and shoulders two horns each a yard long projected directly over the eyes a third and shorter one sprouted from between the nostrils like the horn of a rhinoceros the front of the mouth terminated in a parrot-like beak the monster was astonishing rather than terrible to look upon furthermore it made no fearful noise it was making some sounds a subdued lamentation as jock came closer to his amusement he saw that the creature was weeping actually crying as though its heart would break real tears poured down its face and formed a puddle on the ground beneath jock mounted a cobblestone where he could sit out of the wet and look on what are such creatures made for he wondered even a dinosaur must be good for something and yet i cannot see hi ho he suddenly cried out in alarm as the unknown lurched in his direction be careful there look where you are going the fat party stopped moving and gazed languidly about him finally he caught sight of jock whereat his vast body trembled like a bowl of wine jelly his weeping became so violent that it seemed as though the whole mass of flesh would shake itself to pieces have no fear jock shouted to reassure him i will not hurt you now be a good dinosaur and stop crying what is the trouble vainly the poor creature strove to check his sobs and tears lost he wailed dismally oh dear poor little me never will it return to me again jock glanced all around him but saw nothing that might be considered as a dinosaur's particular property when he looked again at the unfortunate he was much pleased for the latter had ceased weeping and was fast recovering his control i do believe it is coming back again he said hopefully i am sure it is coming back i feel it what did you lose asked jock my appetite i was eating and suddenly for some unknown reason i stopped it was terrible appetite our hero nearly tumbled off his perch he was so surprised perhaps i was unduly nervous the monster explained and yet it is so hard to get along these days food is not as plentiful as it was and then the nights are so cold it makes me ill to think about it do i look thin and haggard not thin exactly jock chuckled in fact you appear to me quite hale and hearty i was just wondering what all your horns are for and that thing on the back of your head what do you do with it nothing absolutely nothing was the answer i wear those things because i have to now if you will excuse me i must eat and take my nap so as to be perfectly fresh and rested for the next meal you are a dinosaur of course said the little mammal i suppose too that you do nothing but eat and sleep ah but you are wrong replied the other sadly i am the three-horned dinosaur but i have much more to do than is good for me i walk and i swim these require tremendous effort but how can they be avoided food cannot come to me so i must go to it would that i could lie down and have somebody feed me for the rest of my life then i never need move that would give you plenty of time to think jock remarked thoughtfully and probably if you got to thinking you would see the need of stirring about and taking more exercise think think 
the monster repeated dully. What is there to think about? Particularly when you have nothing to think with, Jock added in a tone of biting sarcasm. Probably if you stopped eating long enough to think a moment, you would starve to death. Without question, the dinosaur agreed. If anything interfered with my eating and sleeping, I would perish. And it is fools such as this that drive my people into the jungle, away from the land of joy and plenty, thought our hero. What would this clumsy beast do if he were forced into a corner and had to fight? Sis! Boom! Ah! A terrible commotion ensued at that moment among the forest trees. Screams, hisses, bellows, and the crashing of branches. Pandemonium had broken loose. The three-horned dinosaur turned in a panic and waddled into the lagoon as fast as his unwieldy body would permit. "'The king!' he shrieked. "'The tyrant reptile king!' Away he floundered and splashed until the water covered all but his eyes, nose, and projecting horns. Then he stopped and remained motionless. The tumult in the forest grew rapidly louder and nearer. Suddenly a thunderous voice bellowed, "'Where is he? I smell flesh, and I will have it!' Jock glanced at that part of the three-horned dinosaur which remained above water. The fugitive had heard the remarks and considered them too personal to suit him, for he had a sudden fit of shivers, judging by the ripples and eddies about him. The cries and disturbance in the woods had by this time increased tenfold. Suddenly there arose a perfect bedlam of screams and bellows, and a gigantic monster burst into the open, uttering terrible noises and snapping its great jaws. To Jock, who had come to consider all dinosaurs as huge, helpless creatures, here was a sight fearful to behold. The colossal reptile head towered far above the trees. The jaws bristled with gleaming saber teeth. The gnarled hide hung over the vast body in folds and creases. The long, heavily muscled legs contrasted strangely with the feeble arms. Each clawed, not hoofed, foot covered a square yard. The rear of the body tapered off in a long, thick tail, which thrashed about like a flail, felling small trees and mowing down the underbrush. The bloodshot eyes, widely gaping jaws, and murderous teeth could have found no equal for hate and fury. Jock saw and cowered in mortal fear. No need to ask. Here was the one he sought. The ruler of the world stood before him. "'Woe is me,' he groaned. "'I have found him at last.' Whoa, whoa! He looked wildly about him for a hole or some place to hide, but saw none. The dinosaur king stood between him and the friendly trees. Behind spread the lagoon. The giant reptile bent low to sniff the ground. Jock could almost feel his hot breath. He crawled away along the beach, stomach to the ground, doing his best to escape unobserved. Vain hope! The monster saw him. Our hero hid his head in his paws and shut his eyes, thinking that all would be over with him in a moment. All was over, and quickly, but not exactly as Jock expected. At the sight of the tiny mammal, the eyes of the dinosaur king nearly started from his head. His vast body shivered until the ground vibrated as from an earthquake. His fierce looks changed to abject terror. Here was an unknown creature, whose like he had never seen, a diminutive being and yet different from all other living things. The discovery threw him into a panic. With a blood-curdling screech, he jumped back and bounded away at express train speed. Not for an instant did he consider the manner of his going, anything to escape from the tiny creature he could not understand. His ponderous tail got mixed up with his legs somehow and sent him sprawling to the earth. 
Head over heels he rolled, tearing great gashes in the ground with his clawed feet. In an instant he was up and on his way again, more frightened than ever. His flight led him to the woods, and he tore through them, bellowing like a thousand mad bulls, knocking down trees and everything else that stood in his way. In less time than it takes to tell it, he had disappeared in the forest, leaving a broad lane of torn and twisted vegetation to mark his cyclonic course. The cries and crashing gradually subsided, and finally no sounds could be heard except the rippling of water upon the beach. Jacques sat alone, watching open-mouthed, and listening, until convinced that there was no more to see or hear. He felt himself all over, to make sure he was alive. "'It is too strange to believe,' he said in an awed voice. "'The dinosaur king, ruler of the world, has fled from me. What poor things he and his creatures really are! They are huge and terrible to look at, but they have absolutely no sense at all. Ruler of the world! Bah! I could do better than the dinosaur king myself.' My people will soon learn of what they are missing. And now back to the jungle, so that all may know of the good things awaiting them in the country of the dinosaurs. End of section 4